We finished Genesis uh, 1 through 11, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where we're, we left off, and we thought we would just take a, uh, let me pass this around here, um, take maybe a few weeks on something that is complementary to Genesis, and taking the value of Genesis. Well, what we got out of that and then putting it into a little bit more of a practice. Um, when we look at the first part of Genesis, we see God the Creator. And then we see Him creating man in His image and giving Him a world that was paradise, a perfect place to live without sin, and we know what sin did. And because of the fall of man, uh, man has... Uh, ever sought for that perfection and uh, he cannot get to it. And what we saw in Genesis is after sin, of course, we see the murderous Cain and then we see the rebellion and people's rebellion as God warns about the flood for 120 years and then sends judgment. And then shortly after that we saw again how sinful man is and uh, of course the Tower of Babel and God came and brought judgment there and confounding the languages and sending them forth throughout all the, all the world. So we see sin and we see judgment. We see that constantly throughout the Bible. We see, But God's grace, His mercy is there. And that's what our emphasis always is when we look at Scripture. Keep looking at God, though. You can see you can see the people, and they're always going to be sinning. But thank God for His mercy and grace, and we don't have to be in a continual pattern of that, as He has blessed us and, and shown us that. But now we want to take that that Genesis and make it come alive to us in confronting those kind of cultures that the people were in. Before the flood and after the flood, those same kind of people live here today. And uh, they live amongst us. They really don't think any differently. We have different technology, different times that we live in, but people are really the same. Uh, they're sinful and they need God. And so when, when we look at that, we know that Noah confronted the culture. And really, it, when you look at numbers, it didn't seem to really make much of an effect. But yet there were seven others with him that uh, went through that flood and were saved in the ark. And then we see that there was a line of people that God still worked through after that, uh, even through the, the, the Tower of Babel days and uh, on up through the time of Christ and here we are today. So we have an opportunity to confront our culture with something that we have been able to take home or just remind us uh, as we've looked at those 11 chapters. In course, in Genesis 1.1, everybody knows that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we mentioned it probably more than once, that uh, that is not the popular idea and thought of our day. Uh, we are considered to be uh, outside the realm of the popular thought, which uh, is God did not create the heavens and the earth. Uh, and uh, what is really becoming popular is atheism even, uh, who don't even believe that God even exists. Um, and just for thought, God is not even dependent. He's not dependent on anything, is He? 
He's sufficient in Himself. And even though the Word of God is is vital and it's vastly important to us and we know that it's inspired, He doesn't even have to depend on His Bible for His existence. He does exist, right? He doesn't have to depend on the church. He he doesn't have to depend on on the prophets of God, the apostles of God, the, the body of Christ today. God existed long before creation. And, and even before that. And He still will exist. He exists today and He will continue on. And as, as you think about that, we don't have to prove His existence. There's no use to even try to prove it. He's already there. He does exist. And so when we deal with apologetics, that's one of the things that I think we have to keep in mind. The burden is not on us to prove that God exists. The burden is on the people who say there is no God. Because when you look at the complexity of life, the amazing intricacies and and the diversity that is in just one cell, and and then the eyeball and human beings, I mean, my, uh, either all of space, time, matter, energy, all the things that are mathematics, music, all the intelligence that's behind that, the consciousness, uh, love itself, um, rationality, people can think with their, their brains. The result comes to this, and it comes down to one or the other answer. Either all of those things, time, space, matter, and all those things I just mentioned, are a result of conscious mind from God or what? Chance. That's really what it boils down to. It's a a God who thinks, a God who is everything versus chance, which is not anything. Chance is not anything. Uh, Chance really doesn't exist. So, when, when we think about that we have to realize that we don't have to prove God. We start off with God. Everything in our life starts off with God. And so when we when we talk with somebody, whether they want to say they believe in God or some other gods or whatever, or don't believe in a God, the fact of the matter is, is don't back down. Don't be... Uh, uh, be shy about it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of God because we know He does exist. They have to show us, give us proof that He does not exist. And I would dare say they will never come up with proof that He does not exist. So, when, when we think of Genesis, now does that help a little bit as we went back and look at all the literal senses that we saw in there? It's not just a book that says this is a model of somehow where people came from. No, there really wasn't a real Adam and Eve, but there were people that first started out. You know, no, we know that is absolutely true. We know there's an absolute truth. There's an absolute God. And we start with that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if we look in Acts 17, I think a lot of you probably are really familiar with this, but this is always a good reminder. I was just going over it again the other day and I say, 
this is just beautiful how Paul witnessed the gospel and bringing it down to finally Christ and the resurrection. But he started on a plane where they were already at and he went to a religious city, but it was a philosophical city. It was a, a place of, uh, of thinking, but thinking like the world. And if we uh, look at verse 22, we know he's walking around the city and he sees all the idolatry and all the statues up and such. Everybody's familiar with that text probably. Verse 22. Here's Paul speaking now. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens. I mean, this is the capital of philosophy, right? This is the capital of philosophical wisdom by man. Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects, even those philosophers. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. So he starts with his proclamation. He starts off on something where he can identify with them. That's always good to approach with that. But his main point is he's going to get to God the Creator. He starts with something they can identify with. He's, they know about the uh, the, the idols uh, to them. That's their gods. And so he starts with that. I know you uh, you are a religious people. The God who made the world. This is what he starts off with. That sounds like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The God who made the world and all things in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth. See, He's not going out trying to prove that that He exists. (laughs) He already exists. There's no use in doing that. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Now, they had their temples there and they could see it right where he was at. and He could be pointing all across there. And um, so it, as he makes that, and of course their temples was one of their key ways of, of worshiping, their idols. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. There's a God who is self-existent. Uh, this is uh, Yahweh, the self-existent one. He doesn't need anything from anybody. He, uh, you know, he is self-sufficient. Uh, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things, this is the Creator that not only creates, but what else does he do? He sustains them. He gives them everything they need. Even people who spurn his name and say he doesn't exist, he gives them life. He gives them water. Gives them air to breathe. On and on and on and on. The common grace is there. And so why doesn't he just take them out? Well, he has a purpose, right? He's going to still use them, but he, he you know, they have a, a, a things that they need, and God provides. Uh, to all, he gives them life. He gives them breath and all things. And he made from one man. I think this is interesting. How many different um, races are there in the world today? One. You go back to Genesis, there was one race. Well, came from Adam and Eve. And, and then later on, we find out, of course, Noah and uh, his sons and their families, they all still yet had that uh, line that traced all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so they came from one. And, and we know why there were different 
uh, colors of skin and different um, nationalities, uh, different languages and such. And we saw that in Genesis, didn't we? How much did God give us information in those just 11 chapters? So, he says, And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Nations, appointed times. They would rise and then they would diminish and be conquered. Others would rise and then they'd diminish. That's that's the way those cycles have always happened. And even individuals, they've been appointed their times that they would live in. They'd be born and then they would die. And and the boundaries of their habitation. So the nations he gave... And and we see... uh, a little tint of that, a hint of that in Genesis 10 and 11, don't we? So Paul knew Genesis, and of course he knew the law, obviously. He knew it very well. And here's what he wanted men to do. He, he desires for people to what? Worship him. That's really what it, it's all about. It's not just to save people but ultimately it's to worship Him, like in John 4. So that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. God's creativity is right there. People can see it. For in Him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, even the secular writers wouldn't be believing in the one true God, for we also are His children. Finally, they would come down and say, yeah, but there's a Creator God. You know, there's all these other gods, but there's a Creator God, and we're all children of Him. He gave us life. Now, Paul is not um, advising that we take in the doctrine of the fatherhood of God, even though in, in a loose sense, everybody are the children of God. But ultimately, the children of God are the ones who've been born again, have faith in Him, the ones who've been chosen by Him, right? So, but, but he's saying that everybody got their life from Him as being the Creator. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. See, there, there's the image of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. So the message is, is here we, here's where we want to get it to. We talk about the Creator God, the God who sustains, the, God, the providential God, uh, the sovereign God, uh, the God of grace. The God uh, is also demanding repentance. And that has to be in our message, doesn't it? Everyone is commanded to repent. And that's what Paul is proclaiming right here before those Athenian philosophers, some of the greatest, wisest men of the world. And you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, he talks about these people. And um, because in Corinth, was that was the next city that he came out of after he was in Athens, as he proclaimed the gospel, and he was not ashamed, but he came there in fear and trembling, knowing that the gospel is what he has to preach. It can't be anything else. And so anyway, he says, repent. And this, so now we have a God that is offering himself 
He's, he's, he's not far from anyone. And he's saying everybody should repent. And, and then he talks about a judging God. The, the judgment of God must be proclaimed. If you don't repent, then there will be judgment upon you. It says, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Of course, the man is Jesus Christ. And this is the heart of the gospel. And this is the resurrection. Of course, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. And he gets to that point. And of course, we know this is where it becomes very offensive because um, resurrection uh, to uh, the Gnostic, which would be known before too long as Gnosticism, uh, um, they would never think of a resurrection from uh, a body uh, that had been here before and then it was would be like that. They didn't believe in resurrection whatsoever. And, but yet he brings that forth. Um, so anyway, but some did believe him and um, became believers, and he preached what is known as the gospel. This hasn't changed. Starts off with the Creator God and brings us to man needs to repent and man needs to see that they need a Savior and they they need to repent because they've broken God's law and that'll be part of our our study the the law of God prophets. Um, so anyway, I think a key point here is in just a, sh- a few short verses, we get a very good lesson on how to present the gospel. And these are to Gentiles, to Jews. It's still going to be the same message, but he may not have to... S- Sometimes just starting with the Creator God, they already assume that. They already have that. In our society, not that many necessarily believe in a Creator God today. And they're not taught that in school. They're taught uh, the opposite of that. And so... Yeah, you have to start with God. Uh, but you want to get on a playing field where they'll at least listen. And of course, that's what Paul was doing, trying to get the attention of them. You know, hey, you, know, you might even want to get something in common. You know, that's, that's something where you have to use wisdom. But where do you want to get? You want to get right to that Creator God and then bring it to man's sin... And the law is what condemns all men. And then we see that we have a Savior. And this Savior proves it by His resurrection. And that's really the main point of getting that. And of course, we can put it, we can be uh, personable. We can bring forth maybe uh, you know our testimony. That helps. It's always good to, to bring in. There are other little things, but you just kind of have to make sure that those points are in, in our outline, as, as Paul does it here. Um, you know, there's so many different places in, in Scripture, and they'll say different things. But you think of Peter and the, the day of Pentecost, and all that he put forth as he preaches to the Jews, and he starts grabbing from Scripture. But most people knew of some kind of a God who created even at that time. But that's where that's really where he hit it at. Now, there is proof of existence. Some people will say, "Well, we have no proof." of God's existence. I believe in God. I believe in Christ. And He is my Savior. And I believe in a sovereign grace God, but we have no proof whatsoever. We can't go back to that time. Well, yeah, we do have proof. Go out and look at a building. Go outside, look at this building, or stay inside while it's cool in here, and look at the walls. Just look at the wall. Somebody built this. 
they designed it. Somebody drew up the design of how it was going to be. Somebody put those, like the, what are those? Those are not plates, but, you know, we have art and, and such, right? I'll call them plates. But we know, without a doubt, and it doesn't even take faith to believe that. Somebody did it, right? I was amazed when I walked off the back door and looked at that beautiful little tree and realized that there are a lot of people that think that that happened by chance. And I turn around and look at the brick building and everybody knows that had an intelligent creator. That didn't just... Chance, right? The 747. Let's get a little more complicated, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Everybody knows that was a Creator God, lost in God's grace, Jesus, repentance, and submission. Good to kind of stick up right here and we'll kind of go through these as as we hit it in the next week or two. I don't know how many weeks we're going to be on this but hopefully it'll be something helpful that I would like to see us becoming more bolder having more of a conviction of and and when I say us I'm I'm saying me. I I want to start with me to be more bold than I have been in just going up to people and say there's a creator God. And he's commanding you to repent. And then I'll tell you later, you know, of course we'll get into that, but you know, you've broken God's law. He's a holy God. Uh, and I did too, and everybody else has. Just in case they think in, they're thinking you're self righteous and you say, I'm no different than you. The thing is, is that he is telling us we must repent and we must confess him as Lord and Savior. I can't seem to get most of them past the Creator God. That's where, I mean, I get a lot of people hung up on that. That's well, good. Then you have to explain that, don't you? You look at, you know, get yourself ready because after this magnificent presentation, they laughed at it. So, you know, batting down the hatches, you're going to talk to people about God. That's right. This was a supreme example here in Acts 17, as many other places are in Scripture. This is a great place to look at and kind of outline for us. One thing to do with them saying, okay, somebody painted those walls. I wasn't here when somebody painted those walls. I don't know who did it, but I can tell you that it sure wasn't an ant that's crawling on the floor, or a wasp, or it was a monkey, or it, you know... We know that it was a person, and like we say, it, it's not. We're not taking that by by faith. It's just it. Our, it's it's a fact. Uh, we don't, you know. We know that somebody did that. It took a mind. It took intelligence to do even something simple. So we look at something profound, and how can people say that? Yeah, that happened by chance, and and then have them to define chance. Hey, have you guys heard the joke? I gotta tell this joke. You probably have heard it. Um, but there, this atheist goes to God. And he says, "Hey, God," he said, "You know, I think I can create just a better man than you." You know, and God's like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he goes, "He's like, well, can you prove it?" God's like, "Well, sure." Reaches over and bends down and gets some dirt. God says, "Hey, wait, get your own dirt." There you go. Yeah, dirt. Long sky. You made that. <laughs> That's right. Um, let's look in Romans one twenty. 
And this, you know, what I just said, that we don't have to prove that He created, and we don't have to prove that He exists. He exists. There is proof of existence. Romans 1.20 says so. And Romans 1 talks about God's wrath. And we've read this many times. I think just a few weeks ago we did. And he starts out in 18, the wrath of God. And um, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. They know. They really do know. Why do we know that? Because the Bible tells us right here. They know about it. Look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, and here's what Penny was talking about, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. They know there's a God. What they do is they suppress that truth as the Scripture here says here. They're, they're futile. They're dark. They have foolish hearts here. Uh, they exchange God's glory for something much less. And so, but what is it? Yeah, there is proof. Creation. And how, what does that entail? You can go one item after another, after another, after another, after another. <laughs> you just go on and on and on. All you have to do is just look around, right? And, and oh, that, 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 that. Look in um, just a moment. Let's let's go to the people who say they're atheists, and there are many more now than ever before. Used to, it was kind of rare to see an atheist. Very, very few did have we ever met that would say they're atheist. But you're starting to see more and more. And I ran into several that came into our store. Now it's interesting, the Christian bookstore. And you say, well, what are they doing there? Well, they're actually buying gifts for their parents who went to church. And even though they didn't believe in God, they want to at least get them something religious. And so I miss those opportunities. I don't have those opportunities anymore. I can't tell you how much uh, maybe effect that it had on them. Who knows? Sometimes people would come back and others you'd never see them again and you'd pray for them and and hopefully that maybe something there would weigh in on them that God would take his word there and maybe somewhere down the road something would happen you know I don't know Um, but I do know this that they're becoming very aggressive they're writing books they're becoming top sellers number one New York Times bestsellers and they're writing books against us. It's really against God. But against Christianity, and they blast Christianity. Well, that's okay. You know, because uh, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're feeble in their thoughts. They're depraved. They're sinful. They, they need truth. Um, I was listening to something on the radio on the way over here, and I think it had something to do maybe with the New Orleans Saints football team. I don't know if anybody heard this, but uh, it was promotion. And so they have promotions for their football game or or something else. It may not be the New Orleans Saints, but anyway, they said there is now going to be a special time, a day, for a particular game. And it's talking about stadiums. So they want to fill the stadium by promoting Atheist Day or Atheist Night. 
whatever it was. I missed the first sentence or two. And now that's rather interesting. You go to Cardinal baseball games and sometimes there'll be Christian Day. Some of you have heard of that. Or even Kansas City will have that. They'll have that in most of your um, cities. A lot of your major league teams will do that. And they'll have speakers from the teams and both teams and they'll come up and speak and uh, Christian artists and such. And that's really kind of neat to do. Um, you get to know some people that you didn't know were Christian. Uh, but atheist night. I, I guess it's only fair for that. But that's interesting that they would want to have an atheist night. That's, uh, it makes you wonder what kind of crowd they're going to have when they come there. I don't know. But that shows you that it's growing, that they would, they would want to have that. You know what? I want, to, I want to tell you this right now. I don't believe in atheists. Because <laughs> God doesn't believe in atheists. You, you want to know why I don't believe in them? Because they don't exist. <laughs> atheists don't exist. They may think they exist, but they don't. Because they don't know 100% of everything, of all the knowledge that's ever been known before creation to what's happening in present time, to what's going to happen in the future millions and millions of years from now or whatever you want to call the future. They will never be able to say, yeah, I absolutely know everything. I know about that ant uh, that's crawling on the ground uh, and how many ants there are underneath that tree and what they're going to do next. You know, they don't. They don't even know that. Okay, so you have to tell an atheist. Well, listen, if you don't know everything, and since there are religions, and there's been religions ever since we uh, have history books, we can go back and see where, uh, whether it be Christianity or anything else, people have always had religions. So maybe there's a possibility that there could be. A religion that there could be a God, and th- you know, for them to be honest, they must say, "Yes, I don't know everything. There could be a God." Once you've got them to that, at least you've got them to some reality. Now, what they're saying is that they're agnostics. What they're saying is that they're ignorant. They they don't know. And the reason I say that, it sounds bad, but agnostic means ah means no. Gnostic means no knowledge. And in the Greek, if you look at that, it, it means ignorant. And so they're ignorant about God. Although Romans one twenty says they know that God exists. That's what I was uh, trying to peddle when I came in your store. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Good. I'm an agnostic. Yeah. You told me you were ignorant? <laughs> but I didn't say that though. Okay, that's, in my mind I was thinking. That's no, but I wasn't thinking you were ignorant. But that kind of thinking is ignorant. Because well, but, ignorant, you know, is, it's not knowing. It's, it's, yeah, it's not knowing. Exactly. It's not really the kind of word we right. think of. We use that word today and sounds stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it means to not know, and that's really what they're admitting. So I cannot believe an atheist. They they don't exist. They don't know absolutely everything. They never will. So they cannot prove that he doesn't exist. So what they'll do next then is try to put you on the spot. And that's good. There are questions that they will ask. And I'm going to try to put up questions during the next few weeks. And you guys help me with these. 
because I know that every one of you have had questions posed before you. You go, huh, I never thought about that. Or, that's interesting. And, you know, and, and, and if you don't have the answer at that time, don't worry about it. Say, listen, I don't have that answer, but I tell you what, I will search it out and see if I can get an answer for you if there is an answer. I'll try my best. Would you, would you let me call you up or send you an email or whatever it takes that I can get back with you since you, you are asking that? And usually they'll say, yeah. You know, if they're fair at all. Uh, they're, they're trying to be fair in their questions sometimes. Sometimes they have legitimate questions. But we have an answer. And that's where apologetics comes in. And you know, in, in Peter it says to be ready to give an answer. Well, that's what apologetics means. Uh, giving an answer to. I think probably one of the top questions, and I think it's probably one of the top questions anybody has, even Christians will ask this. And even ourselves sometimes we, we wonder, but why is there suffering? Suffering. We know that God is good God, but sometimes we ask, well, why do I have to suffer through this? But to somebody who doesn't believe in God at all, they say that. They really don't know there's God, right? They don't know about it. Oh, okay, if He's such a good God, why do we have to suffer? Why do people suffer? Why does a little infant that's just been born, why does He take them out? Why is that? If He's such a good God, He'd keep them living, right? So therefore, I don't believe in God because of that. And I've heard a lot of people uh, actually say that because something really bad happened. And you have to be, I think, really loving in an answer on that because you don't want to offend them. They probably have had something happen badly to them or, or to somebody they really know or their own child. And so, you you know, it, it's kind of interesting to be able to get there where that's at. And, of course, what do, you, what do you guys say about that when they say, why is there suffering then? You have a good God. You say there's a good God? Well, here's what He did to me. What do you say? Somebody did that today, right? Or recently? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So did you go back to Genesis? Very old. This, this poor soul is very upset because everybody has to pay because one guy. I said that. How is that right? Yeah. The yeah. federal, uh, the Reformed theology, um, I think, for the most part, will uh, take the view of the federal head. When we elect a president, let's say, or we get people into the government, they are supposed to do what the people desire to be done. And if they don't, the people... Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's good, Audrey. But... Because they are in the positions they are. They may not represent what you would like, but they're going to do 
And now you fall underneath that. Now you might have the opportunity to vote them out. And hope that's the way the system works. And sometimes it works pretty good. Huh? I think vote at home. Oh. <laughs> we would have done it too. That's what I told Mike. But the, the point that I was making is this. That was, he was a representation of human nature. He was the first. He represented us. You know, Whether you next, like it or not, you fall underneath that. Then, human the next question then is, well, I thought we were creating God's image. Right. Yeah, that's the next but the image now has been marred because of Adam's. And you know what we're doing? We're going back to Genesis, Genesis 3, and then you can think of the New Testament passage that correlates with it. What is it? Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 12. And so that will give the answer, and there again, it was because of Adam's sin. You can say, well, I don't like that. I don't believe that's fair because I might not have done it. You may not think it's fair. <laughs> fair? Yes, Janice. Now that question, very serious. Before I came to the Lord, this suffering, mm-hmm. that was my suffering. I never had anybody that could answer it To my satisfaction, and I don't know that it can be. Until you said, until you're in Christ. You well, now, wait a minute. Yeah. How did you how did you get in Christ then if you had that stumbling block? I can't, Elder, I don't know how you did that. Don't be I worked, <laughs> I worked with a woman and I just tormented her. Yeah. All the time. I would go and I'd say, you? I have something down on her desk and I'd say, look at this. Look at this. Tell me how you follow God. That list is had, is he not powerful enough to have stopped it? And she never answered any of my questions and never even tried and didn't care that she couldn't. But what, but what did Elvin tell you to make? But what did Elvin tell you to make you be able to get past that? Well, we had a pretty serious discussion. I had a lot of questions that he just went over and over. How long did this take? It, it wasn't instantly, was it? No, but it didn't take very long. It didn't take very long. Was there a lot of prayer involved there? No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I knew who I was. I knew who my, how my relationship was with the Lord. And none of her questions could fail. There you go. Very plainly, they just did things. They tried to decide for it. You could take it away. You know what? That's, and that is really key. We don't have to worry about the decision they make. You give them the truth and let God do His work. Yeah, sorry. I, sorry. At the time that we went out, we got back to the house, and, and Elder said, I need to tell you something about who I am and where I am. And I thought, oh, okay. And he told me, and I can still remember, I was sick. Because I was thought he was very attractive and I, and I liked it, and I thought, oh, it's just what a waste of Did you think it was over at that time, Owen? What a waste I thought, I said, well, I am not, and I never met a Christian in my life. I liked the dog. And nothing wrong with it, you know, absolutely. But every time he came over, I had questions that I know just. 
I would like to ask you. He was able to answer the questions. Had you give, and it sounds like you had given those same questions to other people that were Christians and they didn't really give you a good answer, right? That's why apologetics in its biblical sense is really important. It's not that you know we have to come up with intelligent answers for things that are way beyond our thinking but he does, you know we we just give truth to what we know and if we don't have it then you know but if we have it right off the bat and that's one that's helpful and they're not going to like on the suffering what did he answer you with that made you think then when when you asked about that one you had to ask him that one What would be your answer now You got your questions answered, though, didn't you? And God used Elder. I didn't get an answer until after I was. So, yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Because yeah, but you were there to, as God used you. What? Uh, talk about your uh, how your heart was softened. And you think that God used Elvin and this instrument, you know, maybe the fact that you were listening to him, you know, he was somebody you wanted to listen to to figure out, you know, talk about that as far as your talking in your heart. How did you, did you even have a sense of how that was happening? Not first. Really? But I just even admired I thought these were the most different than I had ever met. Yeah. I came home from the first time that we were out with him and I thought, what? Wow. He yeah. just didn't fit the most of anybody I'd ever gone out with. And a kid who was waiting up for me, we had a role rehearsal, my daughter. Uh-huh. And I was totally liberal. She could go when she wanted to. I would go out of the date and I would consult with her. She was. You know, just checking everything out. And I came in, and her own left the first day. She said, Mom, he is straight as an arrow. And I said, He is. <laughs> 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 yeah. That, that should have been it, right there. I said, Okay, that's enough of him. No. More once the Lord laid hold of me. I just, that's all I wanted to do. I knew every meeting that was anywhere in mid-Missouri and Emily said one night, he said, wouldn't you like to go to a movie or a baseball game? And I said, why? Why? You know, I hear in Sedalia, there's this guy at this church, he's 
<laughs> you know, I find it really funny because uh, when I met my husband, um, I was so not wanting anything to do with Christianity at the time. And I thought I had done played that game and that was done and I'm tired of that and that's nothing for me. And uh, I just find it really interesting the way that we ended up uh, knowing about each other and meeting each other and then... Um, I mean, not that everything he did was was right, okay? That being said, I mean, one of the things I recall when I first met him was he had a Bible on the chair next to his bed. That should have been my red flag right there. (laughs) Head for the door, you know, you're out of here. And he'd go to church, you know, and things like that. And it's like, what, you know, what am I doing with him, you know? And there are so many questions he can't even answer for me now. But... He still has the spirit of, of God, and I mean, it's just very apparent, you know, and that, that you know, he loves him, and uh, so I can, I can relate to Well, I came to see you later in my walk. I've always felt like I needed to have every question answered, and I needed to understand it. And I thought that was in line with God's will. And it is, and it is, and I had to lay that down. That can be very frightening. Yeah, I was thinking when when we were asking you, he was asking you about your questions getting answered. I'm I'm sitting here thinking, man, I still have some of my questions that haven't been answered. But you like you're saying, you know, you kind of got. Yeah, but it's our job to speak. Well, you just said it. He's in, he's in charge of that. It, and, you know, ultimately, like, like Janice said, and, and it's going to be different with everybody. They, they're all going to have different situations. And we have to be, I think we have to start off very sensitive with them. But like you say, it, it, it's going to come down to the fact that, okay, I, and, and sometimes it's best just to say, you know, I, I really can't give you a full answer on that. I know it has something to do with the sin of mankind and such, and God is a holy God. But I, I do know that ultimately 
God is sovereign. And if you can just give that, and He's in control of this, I can't give you the full answer. I can say because of the, of the sin that's in, in man and all men are, are sinful, and even though you haven't even done anything necessarily to deserve this particular suffering, it's still in something that God can work for good. You know, because and, somebody might be watching your Christian experience. You've been running around for years saying you're a Christian, and now this is happening, and somebody out here has been watching you, and now they want to see, well, how are you going to act now? Now it hurts, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and people are watching. I think most times people are asking that they really just want to know if God cares or something. Yeah. I think it's really the bottom line something that's well, it's important really that they too to go to step with them. They need to know that there's comfort. Mm-hmm. I can't take it away, but yeah. really the reason for the suffering is not as important as knowing that there's comfort in the suffering. And that's going back to, of course, taking it back to God. Yeah, Elvin. We've got a woman in our church that you all know about being drunk. I think she's been active in the pro-life and active in the ministry to young pregnant women. And she's very good at it. She's done this for years. Uh, She's been in the hospital off and on for probably three months now, mostly home. but everybody knows who she is. Everybody knows her Christian testimony. And when she's in the hospital in the bed, uh, just barely able to talk to somebody, she still gives a Christian testimony. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows who she is and what she's going through. And they're all giving praise and glory to God because of her. Now, I don't know, but maybe that's her purpose. I just sometimes do because my daughter lost me, and because of that, she's been going down to the hospital, and she's um, is enrolled in a program called Now I Get Now Sleeping. She goes and she takes pictures for people whose babies are going to meet or they pass away. And because she went through that herself, and because she was Christian, she could not. And that she takes the picture. It's really cool. Mm. And so she really touches Wow. This is really rewarding. This is really good. Uh, we get to learn and see what people are doing. And, and it makes us a little more sensitive maybe to others and what's going on. And, and you know, we're not to try to come off with a uh, here's by rote answer that you give. But these suggestions help. And we always start with love. And, you know, ultimately, and I think what Eldon just said, and what Audrey was saying, and what Penny was saying, and it was all different ways, but John, or, uh, it comes to this. John Piper wrote a book, and it was really dealing with using your cancer for God's glory. Now, that's a hard way to put that, but maybe sometimes in suffering, whatever we're going through, Maybe this can be, and everything is to be used for God's glory, even those worst things. I would never have said that in my early days of Christianity. And I can only say this amongst certain people, because when you start saying that, it sounds like you're taking an extreme here. But we were to give God glory in all things, right? And look at the impact 
that one individual can make in a situation that seems negative, hopeless. And it's not hopeless. God's going to use that. And so who knows how many different things we have or they have, but I I think it's taking that that particular situation and if it's somebody who, uh, you know, keeps digging, you you can say, well, I know one thing for sure. uh, This world was created to be perfect, but it's a sinful world. And uh, not to be making judgments, I'm just saying that because of sin, there's death, there's disease. We, we don't like to talk about it, but those things are there. God will do something about it. Uh, and one of these days, there will not be any sin, death, uh, sickness. All of those will be done. But right now, we have to go through it. Uh, but I do want to give you some good news. There's some, you know, I can bring in some bomb here. <laughs> B-A-O-M. There's different ways to approach that, but knowing, okay... You know, with all these answers you guys were giving, and going to that situation where that, and just talking with them—that's one of the best things. And who knows? Maybe they're really not trying to get the answer to that. And like what Janice said, I think was really good. You didn't, and, and Eldon said he really didn't give the answer, but he gave answers. And we want to make sure we give answers. But who gave you the answer ultimately that got to your heart? He can't get to your heart. No person can. But God made some thoughts now go into the heart and God then brought those truths and got you some answers that you didn't know before. So, see, those are helpful things. Thank you, guys. That's just one. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, 
Yeah. You see? And he's right up until the little as he was. I mean, that guy, he would put the word out. Whether you liked it or not. That's what kind of his mouth. Okay. He would get up there. He didn't stand still either. He was all over the place. He didn't like being standing by the public. He had to be right down in front of everybody. Right down. Right in the face. I mean, he wouldn't do it on purpose. I don't know if he would do it on Proclaim the guy. He's awesome. He'd say sometimes he came up here to preach and he said he'd have something all made up that he was going to preach on. He said, yeah, I knew that was what it was going to be like. something different, so... Bob, I think you had something. Oh, I was just thinking of a little twist of a, of a question that is another one maybe we could look, think about with this, why would a loving God love suffering? And I was just thinking about all the people in, in life and in the Bible and so forth, you know, when they cry out to God, it's usually due to suffering. Mm-hmm. How else are they seeking for God and crying out to God and asking for God except mm-hmm. that there's suffering Because you don't need him when you're doing great. Yeah, I was just telling my neighbor so, a day or two ago. That doesn't explain why they're suffering, but right. it's but something to think about. It helps out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have that it's something maybe to get people off the idea of blaming God. Oh, that's your attention. Reach for him. Mm-hmm. Reach for him. He's not far from you. Sorry. No. Well, uh, it's past 8 o'clock. We won't get any more questions, and that's okay. But would you mind in, in the next uh, week or two just kind of going over some other questions? Is this helpful for all of us? I think it really is. I'm glad everybody's you know chiming in. It helps us in being able to relate. I want to make us better witnesses. We, you know, we're, we all need to be improving in every part of our walk, aren't we? And uh, I know I need it. And so uh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's been very helpful. It's I, I'm just kind of facilitating this these sessions that we're doing, and so any of those kind of thoughts that you have, and my, you might have some questions that I don't have on here. But you could go on and on and on, but it's things that can help us at least maybe get people on the right road of thinking. Like like Jan, as she gave that testimony, and and Eldon was there to give answers, and we should be able to at least get them thinking and going. We may not have the answers that we're... And, and if we're short on things, you know, maybe through this, it'll help us maybe give some more thought, you know, and, and that we would always be bold. And, uh, you know, that's what Paul prayed for, that he'd be bold. You know, and, and if Paul was needing boldness, I know I sure need the boldness. I, I need... I really need prayer in that, in this society. Nick, did you have a, another song for us or anything? No song? Okay. Well, thank you guys for coming out, and let's have a word of prayer.